Welcome to the cocoon, where the 99% transform into 100%. I'm your host, Michael Baker, and you're listening to the Open Door Podcast Series. Please welcome my guest from Portland, Oregon, Adolfo Cuellar. You're here in Portland, Oregon, and you, you told me some amazing stories, and I don't know all we have, but you were telling me about your, your family. You had such a fascinating story about how um, your mother... Was mm-hmm. it your mother? Yeah. No, I know, I know what you're talking Came about. Came to this? I didn't even know that. So yeah. can you tell us that? So my parents are Cuban, and uh, I guess I'm Cuban, <laughs> therefore. And so uh, what happened was my mother, uh, the way that she came to this country is, it was a shipment called the Peter Pan shipment. And basically it was when there was ships that were going to Cuba to pick up orphans and bring them to this country, the land of opportunity. <laughs> and so there was many children who were not orphans who claimed themselves as orphans and jumped onto the ship hmm. just to be able to come to this country and then reclaim their parents. Re- and therefore, their parents had the right to American citizenship because their children are in this country. Right, and I, last time I think I was saying... What? I never heard of that before. Yeah, it was a funny little loophole. It never, la- it didn't last that long. And my mother had a really interesting experience, and it, it it's kind of foreshadowing in some ways because what happened was she was adopted by a family in Washington who had or- orchards and a huge family farm, and she would just walk around in these gorgeous. She tells me these stories, and she, you know, develops tears in her eyes gorgeous you know apple trees and peach trees and she would just you know eat all these fruits and she said that they were just so sweet to her and she barely even spoke english you know and they were just really nice to her and it just blows me away because you see it now you know i i can say that i've met the people that would adopt a child from who knows where just because they know that they they're abundant in resources and they want to just share that in the right way where they don't feel taken advantage of and they're just providing an opportunity for someone you know so it just blows me away when I hear this story, you know, particularly because I came to Portland 10 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, and I was helped by so many people to be able to do what I did and live the way that I have ever since I got here and and to learn, to learn like what the culture of this place is, not this country, not even just the city. I mean, I guess you could call it Northwest, you know, but, you know, all, the, all those stories that my mother told me really hit home when I experienced some of the beautiful people out here, you know? And Mm. even, I mean, I could say the same thing about people in Colorado because I've traveled all over the country. And so people in, you know, people in Louisiana, that Southern hospitality is real, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's everywhere, you know, it's not just the Northwest, you know, it's even Miami, you know, you just get in the right circles. But bottom line is, you know, she had to leave that family. She had to just you know, reclaim her parents and a part of that process is going and living with them again. And so ever since then, she's never been able to call them or communicate with them again. What do you mean she, she's not been able to? I mean, you got to think there's, there's no, there was no internet then there was no, Mm. you know, there wasn't this huge record keeping. It was, there was like, I mean, it was, you know, books and newspapers (laughs) and telephone. Those those old ancient things. Right. (laughs) And the, the telephone was like, you know, an amazing thing, but it didn't like have you remember anyone, you right, know, right. if anything, it, it gave you an opportunity to disguise yourself, mm-hmm. you know? Um, 
so yeah, so she has, she forgot, she, she does tell me that she remembers the name of the farm and she's told me the name of the farm before and I've looked it up and it just never really went anywhere because it felt like, it, I mean, dude, the farm could be named something different at this point. You never mm-hmm. know. So she was never able to talk to them again. Gone. Literally like mm-hmm. that. Boom. Done. You know, she went back with her parents, moved to Jersey and then went down to Miami and did the thing and figured it out. Met my dad, whatever. So. Wow. So yeah, I mean, it was just done at that point and now she tells the story and it's just like wow dude you've been through some incredible things and there's i mean hey you know we could talk about some mexican immigrants that got here today that did things that you know can be considered crazier and more dangerous than what she's done you know i've heard stories of parents that have done things that you know i've heard of you know my friend's father physically he he had a team of like eight guys Mm -hmm. that ran away physically ran into the forest from whatever country they were in originally, whatever oppression they were in. It was somewhere in Nicaragua. I know that much. And they were in a harsh situation of some sort. And they literally, like, on foot, traveled all the way to Mexico. And there was moments where there was hurricanes and they had to swim through rivers. And, like, his father tells you stories where you're just like, wow. And his father is an incredibly intelligent man. His father has a master's degree in mathematics. His, I mean, the way he speaks, and I mean, the guy drinks like a G too, man. This guy's just like, <laughs> whoa, he's good news, man. So, mm-hmm. so you know, that's one story, and then another story is Amparo, man. Uh, Amparo, Amparo is the name mm-hmm. of my ex girlfriend's mother, my ex ex girlfriend's mother, mm-hmm. good friend of mine, um, both of them, and she. Uh, I don't know what the exact story is, but she did the full on, you know like ducking laying down in a truck kind of thing with a bunch of other people just laying down in a truck getting searched when you're going through the border by immigration getting away with it getting to this country married a cuban dude who was like man this guy was probably double her age hmm. but this guy was the hardest worker i have ever met hmm. this guy was 75 cuban oh yeah Still, but I mean, he this was guy's 75 years Cuban. old. Oh, yeah. And he's busting. He's a painter. This wow. guy's literally Amazing. just doing this arm What's up this? and down, mm. up and down the arm, up and down all day, every day, just to be able to like take care of his wife and his child. Hmm. And it was an arranged marriage because he was a citizen and she wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so then what ended up happening is they, he, he made it part of the deal that he could have sex with her and she got pregnant. Oh, and they had a child and they were never in love, but he did everything he had to do to take care of them. So they stuck around because hmm. he's a bad mob. <laughs> that guy's, oh my God, that guy's the epitome of an old Cuban hmm. man. He hmm. really is. He really, he reminds me of my own grandfather mm-hmm. who was a beast on his own. You know, I mean, this guy was the, he was the best shoemaker in Cuba, hands down. He I was mean, shoemaker? Guy, he was, yeah. He loved sandals. He made very- Mr. Grandfather. Very, yeah. very wow. Raul Sanchez, very, very popular sandal maker. Um, had three factories. You know, the main one was in Cienfuegos. That's why I call my band Mil Fuegos. Mm. Because- Ah, now it now comes full circle. Right. I get it. Yeah, okay. it's, 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 I mean, I used to wake up in the morning watching this guy hover over this machine that was a shoemaking machine that was, you know, metal and wood. And he would just- work on making new sandals and he would just hand them to me sometimes and I'd look at him like whoa this guy's crazy what's wrong with this guy he's just like hovering over this machine I'm gonna go play 
And so then, you know, later on in life, I kind of thought about it and I realized, wow, this guy, he's obsessed. He's crazy. He's, he's passionate. Mm -hmm. He's, he does this because he loves it. He really, truly in his art, he freaking loves it, man. And there's nothing else he wants to do. And he gets up in the morning just thinking about doing it again. You know what I mean? And it's just like, although you're hungry every day, hungry mm -hmm. in, in the metaphor, metaphorical sense, you know, although you're, you're, you're passionate, you're ready to go, you know, you're, you're nervous, you're, you know, I don't know, this is getting into a whole other topic, but mm, what kind of topic, the topic of, you know, who's happier, the guy who's sitting back drinking tea, doing nothing, or the guy who's getting up trying to get something done. Well, that's what, that's actually what this is all about. You know, we're talking about lots of things. This is fascinating to me because, you know, I had um, a good buddy of mine, Raz, the other day, and, you know, Raz is Romanian, and he was, you know, discussing some of the same things about family and, you know, culture, you know, that, that you discuss. Of course, he's, you know, a philosopher in my mind, such as yourself, actually. Um, but this concept of, of, of working really hard, you, you saw your grandfather, right? Working this like a madman. And, you know, you talked about this uh, 75-year-old uh, gentleman um, coming to this country. You know, right now, a lot of people are going through what appears to be um, uh, uh, some great struggles uh, in, you know, in this country, it seems. Uh, compare that to other cultures, you know, on the, on the outside, it doesn't, you know, I mean, we're wealthy. We have, I mean, look at us. I mean, you know, look at what we get to do. Now, to us right now, though, to many people, you know, we're, oh my gosh, I, I'm not, we're kind of really below poverty level. I was talking to my friend LaRonda you know, with what we're making. Um, some of us are entrepreneurs. We're trying to make social entrepreneurs and making things happen. I know you had a question about that, but um, you know what? There's other people, they're coming here. They're risking their lives to come here. Um, and they work so hard. I had, when I had a landscape business and construction and, you know, design company, I had guys working for me. They, some of them, uh, worked so hard I mean, so hard, and they taught me. They were taking care of their families um, off of whatever they were making, and they were doing other things on the side. But I saw them uh, work together as a community. That was one thing that I, that I didn't see, that literally my own, you know, quote unquote household wasn't doing, and I most certainly wasn't doing with my, you know, those around me. I, I desired that, but we seem to be very isolated here because I think we've, gotten used to uh, that way. and But when other people from other countries come here, they have a different mindset. And so I wanna, I wanna get into that mindset, you know, what's going on there, because uh, um, that's key to, I think, the transformation of this country, actually. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that, let's get, let's get to the topic of work, you know, and, yeah. and how the definition of work and how work plays itself out in our daily lives as Americans. There's kind of two sides here, you know? First, we have to mention that we're coming from Portland, Oregon. Right. Okay? We're coming from the perspective of <laughs> Portland, Oregon. Okay? Because you mm -hmm. go to Miami, we're going to have a different conversation. Exactly. In Portland, Oregon, we're almost against work, in my opinion. We're against service in a lot of ways. Service? Oh, yeah. And it's the tourists that, well, not even tourists, but people from out of town who come in and they get their jobs and they appreciate their jobs because they can pay their rent with their jobs who provide good service in this, in the city. Mm -hmm. The majority of the time, not all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the, I, so 
Zen is much more appreciated mm. than hard ass work, than sweat. Mm. Sweat means less than Zen mm. in Portland. Mm -hmm. Why? I don't know. Well, let's think about it, you know? So mm. let's look at how America is known across the country, how America knows itself to be across the country. Because I don't really, I'm not in Thailand. I'm mm. not in Thailand, born, raised in Thailand, looking at America saying whatever the Thai people say about America. I'm here listening to what BBC reports about America, right. what NPR reports about America, what people are saying, blah, blah, blah. America supposedly is a stressed out place, okay? I can personally say that I have run into times where I had long periods of sleeplessness, Sleepnessnessnessness. Sleepnessness. <laughs> you're 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 doing a raz. You're making up words now. And the reason why I ran into sleeplessness mm -hmm. is because I worked and slept in the same room. Right. Oh my God. How hard is life when you work and sleep in the same room? Oh my god. And I just it was hard to go to sleep because I knew that, that I could just get up and look at my laptop and get back to work <laughs> and it was hard to work because i knew that i could just lay down and go to sleep right there <laughs> life is an american is so hard oh my god i'm experiencing sleeplessness and i need three pills for it and counseling twice a week no all right okay right, now that's right, just me right. okay bottom line is that gives you that this whole idea of sleep that's one example of how americans kind of tout themselves as high stress hard-working crazy people mm -hmm. right and you look at new york and everybody's like yeah we are are you gonna make me money or am i gonna walk away and have a conversation with <laughs> right. somebody else that will right. let's get it done yeah you look at let's people get it done. in miami and it's the same thing they're just kind of like okay dude i'm over it so do you feed your kids because i do and that's how so what's next mm -hmm. let's this conversation is boring to me right now in <laughs> miami so then we're here and we're like no dude we have to be more zen <laughs> and so you know we do we we have this disrespect for work that we do Right, we have this disrespect for sweat. Speaking from the Portland perspective, right? Well, I would say I'm going to be in all fair honest from your perspective, from my perspective yeah, of, 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 of Portland. Portland. Yes, of yes. Portland's perspective, that's yes. really what's going on. Yes. And you know, the more I see people moving in, and the more that I see things becoming much more diverse. And I mean, to be frank, things getting harder. Rents raising. Yeah, you can't play music on the street and pay your rent anymore. All right, when I got here, you could do that. <laughs> easy you could do that i mean you could do that not even trying to do it you could do it as a horrible horrible musician <laughs> now there's too many new yorkers out here with warehouses full of pot that are walking down the street saying you suck dude you need to go home and practice before you do this shit again <laughs> actually you're right <laughs> yeah bro see it bringing balance in i call it bringing in balance so you know yeah. So bottom line is, dude, yeah, and it's, it is bringing balance and then that balance becomes totally out of whack and then it gets back into whack again somehow mm -hmm. and it just goes back mm -hmm. and forth and back and forth. And that's just the process of life. It's a process of the human race, the process of society. It's the process of the economy. It's everything. It's the value trade. It's just, it is what it is, man. It's a frequency. Literally, it is the process of a frequency. A frequency comes up and then it goes down mm -hmm. and it comes up. And, it, and that is the essence 
of everything that we are made of, my friend. Yeah. So we're going to do the exact same thing, whether you like it or not. You can be Buddhist. And here's this is actually a point that I wanted to make on the note of Zen. Okay, right. Where did Zen come from? Oh, oh. let's not even get too deep into the history. Okay, what we're going to do is sit down and just talk about oh. meditation. Okay. Do you meditate, Michael? I do. Every day. Don't you love me? I do. I meditate every day. I, I, it's actually like literally a part of my life. I can survive. Honestly. Have you heard of Vipassana? Yes, I have. So Vipassana, for those who don't know, who are listening in the land of magic, <laughs> Vipassana is a retreat that you can do for 10 days. It's about 10 hours of meditation a day. And uh, it's a vow of silence as well. The vow of silence begins on the second day. So it's nine days of silence. Um, or it can be eight and you know, you're not, I mean, there's, there's other rules generally, you know, and if you go to do Vipassana, you're agreeing with the process of Vipassana, which involves these rules and it's okay. You follow them because you're out there to do it or not do it. Come on now. So you're not allowed to bring anything to write with anything to read whatsoever. You're not allowed to do any kind of yoga, no kind of practice of some sort that you've had that's daily, none of it, Mm -hmm. including Reiki. Actually, I almost was denied to go to Vipassana because I had been attuned to Reiki, but I promised them that I would not do any kind of Reiki practice. Mm. Um, You're not allowed to bring any jewels. And what's to those who don't know what Reiki is, what is Reiki? Oh, Reiki's, uh, it's the manipulation of, well, no, no, no. It's healing hands is what it is. You put your hands on, you hover your hands over people or you put them on people and you channel the energy, the healing energy from the universe through your body into them. And so the reason why you become attuned is so that you don't get what they're, what they have. You mean their negativity? Well, their, you know, their illness, right? That's their what pain, I mean. their, whatever their, it is that they're dealing with. Their, mm, yeah. I, I want to say, when I say negative, I don't want to, I'm not saying good or evil. Right. I'm saying the frequency is blocked. Yeah. So, you know, that that's what that's what illness is to me is is a blockage really from your own energy. And yeah. when we talk about universe, that's just it's it's all the, the greater part of yourself, God, if you want to call it the source. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So continue, please. So this idea of Zen, right? This idea of Zen, this idea of uh, you know, relaxing, chilling out, you know, kinda like what what you what you kinda see battling here in this city against hard work. I've been through Vipassana. I've been through the 10 day period. Number one is that it was incredibly life changing. It was fantastic. It showed me parts of myself that I have never seen before. It made me very aware of who I am. Number two, I can tell you right now, it was some of the hardest work and some of the most painful days that I've ever had in my life. Do you know how much it hurts to be in Lotus for 10 hours? That's, a day? that's crossing the legs, sitting down. Mm-hmm. Um, Lotus, yeah. So, Lotus is Indian. What is it called? Indian position? Indian I, cross? I, I'm not Indian, sure. But yeah, when you're, whatever. you know. Yeah. So, yeah, you cross your legs, your back is straight. Boom. 10 hours. It hurts. It ten, hurts a you lot. You did this when you say 10 hours for 10 hours straight? Well, so no, there was breaks. There, They give you. So it starts at I'm thinking like I'm going crazy already. 10 hours. Well, yeah. I mean, it's so it starts it starts whenever you want it to start for real. You get to do whatever you want to do realistically. Nobody's going to whip you and make you meditate. You do whatever you want, right? <laughs> okay. So So they ring a bell. <coughs> excuse me. At around 6:30 they ring a bell. Um and that's when the first period 
of an hour begins. 6.30 a.m. 6.30 a.m. Yeah, 6.30 a.m. Let me tell you, I don't remember the exact schedule, so some of this might be kind of skewed. But come 6.30, they ring the bell, and the first session begins. It goes up until they're done with breakfast. Okay, so that can be 7.30, 8, right around there. And then breakfast begins. Boom. Typically, just to, I don't know, I would wake up at around 4 or 4.30 and mm -hmm. start meditating then so mm -hmm. that I could get as much in as possible. I was there to do this. I was there to do it as much as I could. And if there was one time where I got the deepest and I mean, it was like, I don't, there's no words to describe what that feels like. There, there's no, I can't, there is, it is the, it is the, like the reason why I talk about frequencies like I do. It is the reason why I'm sitting here and being able to focus on this conversation and talk to you in the way that I am. It's, it is, it was amazing. That's getting up at 4.30 in the morning to do that it made me a different person. So mm -hmm. then I went till eight, 7.30. We went, we had breakfast, you know, come 8.39, we go back in for another hour, hour and a half, you know, and then we go, we take an hour break, but we wouldn't eat. And then we'd go back in, you know, or maybe it was a 15 minute break, go back in for another hour. And then a 15 minute break, go back in for another hour and then come out and have lunch. And they would make us breakfast and lunch. The breakfast was delicious. Was this uh, vegan, oh, vegetarian? It was vegetarian. Um, they had cheese available. Uh, I think they had mayonnaise available. They had coffee. They had tea. They had coffee, huh? They did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were really cool well, about it. That would be odd to me try to drink coffee and then meditate. I think I stuck to black tea while I was out there. I oh. might have had coffee a couple times because I love it. I can't take coffee. I would be like a, a jittery mess. Yeah. So bottom line is, man, it was like that. There was like 15 minute breaks. It was about an hour session every time in between the 15 minute breaks. And, you know, it ended up being about 10 hours a day between eight and 10 hours a day every day. I mean, we would go until, I don't know, eight, nine o'clock. And then I'd be up at 430 again. Why not? I mean, dude, going to sleep was like walking to my tent, laying down, literally just walking into a dream. And then, oh, let me walk out of the stream, get up, mm. and go meditate again. It was like this higher frequency living. It was cool. Okay, let me let me ask a question there, because we are going to bring this back around full circle back to Portland. You don't have to balance. say that. You could just do it. Okay, I know. Um, <laughs> thank you for that. You higher, <laughs> you higher frequency being you, Vespasana. I know. <laughs> So let me <laughs> let me ask you this. So when you the, the meditation that had to be very, a great challenge possibly for you, um, the first day. You know, I mean, that's an hour or more meditating, being quite listening to your breathing, feeling like you know. When I've done that, and I do meditate every day, but you know, I think the longest I've meditated at one time is you know maybe an hour and a half. Um, great, and that's uh, amazing, and uh, you know. And Mind that's you, when you get lost. It yeah. was guided meditation, so there was a guy who was speaking and there was chance. Oh, I see. Okay. That that does make a difference. Yeah. That's, it really that's does why make I just a difference. To throw that in, because, yeah. you know, doing it yourself I mean it, it's it's different. So you said walking when you went to sleep, so meditating that long and that many hours, then going to bed. I want more of that experience of you know, what that was like. You said it was like walking into a dream or walking out of a dream, I, I, I'm feeling this interesting vibe here. What was going on? I mean, so sleep in some ways, kind of like meditation. You know, I've been told by guys, yeah, I meditate, you know, three hours a day. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, typically, is there any, you know, way that you practice in particular? Oh, you know, yeah, you know, 
I'll lay on my back with my knees up. I'm like, ah, that's, you're falling asleep, dude. <laughs> you're falling asleep exactly. like you're not meditating dude you're falling asleep exactly. there's a difference <laughs> and so it, having uh, your your back erect i think is the thing you have to really have mm -hmm. a straight spinal cord and you have to be focused i mean on whatever you want one thing whatever it might be you know and there's a, there's countless ways to go about it but you have to your back has to you have to be straight up you just have to i mean there's no you could be in a chair and those guys who had chairs in vipassana those guys who had chairs those guys who had all kinds of cushions and this and that but bottom line is you're holding yourself up because if you fall asleep you fall over okay because you're asleep now and it's something <laughs> different so let's say that you're meditating okay you have your back up all day meditating right back up all day right and then you lay your back down to go to sleep. You know how those two are so similar and there's just this tiny little line that if you cross it, now you're asleep. But if you come back at that little line was the only difference in my entire consciousness. That little line, crossing that line was the only difference. That little, I was on that line the entire mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. because I was not speaking to anyone. And you, actually one of the rules is not to look anyone in the eyes, man. Mm -hmm. The whole time you're there? You yeah. Mean? Men and women are separated into two totally different groups. Mm -hmm. We camped in different places. Mm -hmm. We sat in different uh, groups when we meditated. So it was it was not even like, a, oh my God, I think maybe I'm going to hate that tonight. <laughs> well, I got eight days, baby. <laughs> Bring it out. No, no, it, it wasn't like that at all. You know oh, what I'm saying? It was gosh, at all. You were just deep. You were deep in yourself. You're mm -hmm. looking down. Mm -hmm. You're not speaking, you know. You're not doing any, you're, you, they'll, they'll let you mildly stretch. I stretched a little bit, you know, I did a little stretch. I saw this guy doing yoga after I started stretching, you know, I kind of like inspired him to like, whatever. To stretch. <laughs> no, to do yoga. Oh. The thing is yoga and stretching kind of different. I thought you couldn't do yoga though. Exactly. You can't. But since I was stretching, he just felt entitled. <laughs> you were leading him on. No, I wasn't, dude. I was stretching. I got it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So whatever, man. So uh, I guess, you know, that's, that's what, that's the answer to your question. I was right on that line of sleep and meditation the whole time. I was just kind of back and forth. When you went to bed though. Mm -hmm. So when same, I went to, when yeah. I went to bed, what that means is I laid down in my tent. I laid down on my back and I closed my eyes and I walked into a dream. Hmm. I just, I mean, it would, I don't know how else to describe it. Cause that's, and then I would either hear the bell or um, was it, did mm. I set my alarm? Shit. I don't know if I set my alarm. Interesting. I don't remember. I kind of want to go again, you know, but I think about that and it scares the crap out of me. I would love actually, I'm, I would love to do that with you because I've never done it. And, uh, you know, many people have asked me, um, it was, it was a long time ago, 2000, maybe nine. I got asked and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> hmm. uh, I was so focused on, you know, creating Mm -hmm. all this stuff, mm -hmm. you know, that, um, even though I was meditating, I definitely at that time was not uh, as grounded as, uh, you know, I've, I've become now, but, uh, I would love to do that. Um, they do hold them quite a bit, I think in Washington. They do. Yeah. The one place that I went to was in Rogue City, Oregon, mm. and that was a private residence. Mm. And they were very clear about how wonderful it was that they were doing it there and how, they're never going to do it there again. And that's the last time they're going to do it. Okay. So let's, uh, a more positive note on someone. Um, I, I would love to do that. So I'm speaking it out. You want to do that? Would you do yeah, that? Yeah. I mean, totally. Yeah. That, that would be an epic vacation. That I mean, I would, 
I don't know what I, here's here's another funny thing. Have you ever done a float? What do you mean? A float meaning uh like ridden on a float in a parade? Like, no, like float on. Eh, here in Portland, like so, you you get into a sensory deprivation tank with water about oh, about oh. Uh, twenty four inches deep, mm-hmm. and it has a like three pounds of Epsom salt in it. No joke, like a lot of Epsom salt, and so, so that you float, right? You're really buoyant. You just float in there, and you don't see anything, you don't hear anything, you don't. They close you up, move at all. Yeah, they close everything okay, up. No. Sensory deprivation. No. You don't. I can't you don't, do there's, that. There's literally you don't exist. Other than your existence, other than your consciousness, are it's, they it's closing? Are they? Are, are you in a tank that they close it on top to when you're like dark? That's what I'm saying. Sensory deprivation meaning you don't see or hear anything Hell at all. No, <laughs> no, no. You're not so, getting me in water and closed up in the dark. It so does not I, work. You know, I did that long ago, around just after I had done vipassana, maybe like a year after, two mm-hmm. years after, or something, and. I didn't like it. I thought it was boring as <laughs> really? hell. I mean, and I was coming from a place where I meditated, you know, it was very spiritual, you know, um, and I hated it. I was like, man, this is boring. What's the point? This is like some weird modern thing that doesn't make any freaking sense. Like, at least give me some practice. Give me some guidance. Give me some, mm-hmm. give me something. Don't just put me in a tank for an hour and a half. Right. An right, hour and a half, dude. Right, right. An hour and a half. Okay. Whoa. That's a waste of time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you could see it as a discipline, I suppose, if you're like addicted to ice cream or something. But I wasn't, and so I was kind of like, <laughs> "What is the point? I I could just be what doing something addicted to ice There's cream. We're gonna put wrong you in a tank with ice cream right now, okay? <laughs> but those who are addicted need to be in a tank. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Right. Just love on that ice cream right, when you need right, to. Right, right. Bottom line. Um, <laughs> so I got out of there and. My dreads smelled like crap. <laughs> and mind you, I had dreads to my knees That's at the you time. had the dreads, yeah. My dreads smelled like crap. And I'm telling you, I was spiritual, you know, you know, blah, da, da. Hated the experience. My dreads smelled like crap for two weeks, dude. I washed them three times. There was nothing I could do. Is that when you finally shaved off your dreads? And that's when I thought, I am scared to cut my hair right now. Wow. I don't want to see people. Because my hair smells like crap. It smells like mold and mildew and like a dog. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want people to see me. But it, it scares me to think about cutting my hair. It scares me. Mm-hmm. And so right at that moment that I really came to that conclusion, this scares me. All right. You know what? Do it. Do it. If it's really like that, if you're all scared, do it. Watch. See what happens. Next day. I decided it. I was like, dude, I'm doing it. I'm going to cut my locks off. Done. Next day, they stopped smelling bad. And I still cut them off. Because <laughs> I'm a man! <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, no, because wow. I just, I had to face my fear and I had to get rid of that. It was done. I mean, it, they had already made their mark and their mark had a lot to do with, mm. I don't even know. I mean, I guess in the end, just in that one little end part, it had a lot to do with identity. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, your identity is in your hair right now. You need to let that go. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you, need to, you need to move on. You need to move past that. You know, a lot of people, you know, looked at me and they respected me because I had, you know, I had locks to my knees and they were gorgeous locks. They, they, were, like they were this. Very, like, I have beautiful was, pictures of you, yeah. you know, like that. I do. Send them over, man. I want to yeah. publicize this. Yeah. Thing. Well, they're all over. They're all over the net. Come on. That's yeah, all the pictures are. we took. Yeah. Totally. Totally. They are. They are. Actually. Oh, yeah. I remember that yeah, for the you have, voice you thing. Blue, yes. Yeah. You got beautiful photos of you. Yeah. So, um, I. 
I uh, what the hell was the point? I That's don't amazing. Know. You, you faced your fears. I cut them off, faced my fears, and uh, yeah. So that meant that a float might be a little bit deeper than a practice. Mm. Hey, you know, come in and chant for an hour and a half this phrase and you'll learn something profound. No, they don't have to tell you to do anything. Instead, they're going to put you in a situation where you have to do nothing. You are forced to do absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. How does that change you as a person? Mm. They put you, you know, you, you put yourself is really what's happening. You put yourself in a situation where you have to sit in one position for 10 hours a day for 10 days. How's that going to change you? Based, you decided to do this, okay? And you either did it or you didn't, okay? So let's say you decided to get that nine to five. You decided to get in there, make those cold calls all day. Mm -hmm. How did that change you? Are you angry now at the system? Am I angry now at the float tanks? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Am I angry at Vipassana? No, dude. It all of it is changing me. All of it makes me what I am. There's nothing to hate here. All of it is sweat. It, I mean, that's how I, I'm from Miami. Okay. So see it as the New York vibe, you know, all of that is work. That's when you're doing something. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're getting something out of it. Yeah. Let, let yourself change. Let yourself do whatever. But when you do it, do it. Do it. When like for real, do it. Fully. Do yeah. It. Be it. Get in it. Get in it. Get it done. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, just take it. And I'm not saying take it as far as you can, you know, get on heroin and get into fights and, you know, make $40 billion because that's the only way to really live. No, no, no. You know, it doesn't have to be all that. Take something from it. Share that with the world. That's all I'm saying. You know what I mean? Because that's the only reason that we're here. That's all we have to do, man. Get in it. Get it done. Share it with the world. That's amazing. Very profound. That's, 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 you talk about consciousness and that is a lesson in a school that she went through of consciousness, of becoming more aware of your being and what's around you and other beings and sharing that consciousness, that awareness with other people. I mean, you're doing it right now and it's, a, it's very effective. Uh, would you please share, um, share your music? So you do whatever you want to do. I'm just gonna listen. Okay. Un día me di cuenta que no fui el que te traicionó, mami. No, no, fue tu imaginación, fue tu pensamiento china. Y me di cuenta que tu mente arma. El miedo y la duda Olvídate de la pena Olvídate de la guerra Ven pa' acá A ver si podemos hacerla La locura otra vez La pegadera 
עוד לאולטימה והיא. וכאן אינטרה נותנת פיה. Cuido tu corazoncito y lleno de besos tu labio tan rico entra miedo y sale la realidadvídate mm. de la pena olvídate de la guerra empaca. A ver si podemos hacerla La locura otra vez La pegadera A ver si podemos hacerla La locura otra vez La pegadera Por la última vez You know, sitting here in the studio Watching someone, you know, you know not on stage Is different and, and when I, But it, yet it's not Because I've known this for a long time That we really do channel energy will become different when you're perform- when you're a true performer you know when you're ch- mm-hmm. when you're in there and because you become conscious you become when I say conscious you become more than conscious you you get over the the thoughts whatever and you become the music and what I just saw you you know I we didn't record this um, video wise but when I watched you and I'm listening to you you were you were you you were you were more than than what you know you just the adolfo personality is and that is amazing to watch I, i i that's that always gets me when i watch you know my friends perform or anyone in that manner and that was incredible that was amazing hmm. um that was beautiful thanks in, in many many ways yeah morgan quinn once said that the song is the ultimate master the song tells you where to go it tells you what it wants and You know, I just try and listen to myself and listen to the guitar and listen to the music that's happening. You know, there's there's been times where I played live at a place like Jade Lounge, tiny. Mm-hmm. People are walking in, people are talking, ordering drinks. There's an espresso machine at a coffee shop <laughs> that you're playing at, whatever it might be. And I kind of recall those old jazz tunes from the 50s or whatever. where they were recorded in a club same thing you know what I mean you could hear an epic mm. historic mm-hmm. solo over a guy talking about whatever mm, yes, yes you know and drinks clanking and it's the same thing and you picture it you know you close your eyes and you listen to it like I used to or like I still do you know whatever and you picture them creating this orb it's like a it's like a world in their own you know And it's it's the music creating it more than anything but they are agents of the music and the music is creating that orb and so when you're playing and the music is telling you what to do 
anything else that's going on has nothing to do with that relationship, mm-hmm. with that communication, that interaction. And when it involves other musicians that much more, because you're all, again, back to the frequencies, you know, you're all harmonizing. And that harmony, you know, hey, you know, that espresso clack, clack, clack fell in time with something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or it didn't. And so it was a mistake that somebody made. So you just keep playing. You know, like jazz heads did too many times. And now we just call them flavor, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so Flavor. I, don't, I guess I try and create that orb every that. time. I don't, I don't try. I mean, that's a part of performing music. That orb is there. Your, your attention is on the music. You know, your attention is on how your voice sounds and why it sounds that way and what part of your lungs you're breathing with and, you know, what part of your shoulders are tense or not and what part of your throat is open and you're yelling with it, you know, where the air is coming from Mm -hmm. and how that affects the sound and whether or not it's in tune with the mood that you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And then when you start to feel that, you, I personally go all the way back to the memories that brought that song on Mm. and I relive it. And then it's one experience where the tone of my voice, the tone of the guitar, the feeling in my body starts to connect with the feeling that originally I had, then the memory, and then it's all happening at once again. Because time is a figment of our imagination. That song to me felt timeless. Right. While I was playing that song, I was not just here. I was right. also with my ex-girlfriend. Right. I was right. speaking to her. I was yelling at her all over again. Mm-hmm. You know, And you can do that all you want. You can do that all you want. You can do that during a cold call. You can do it when you're sitting back having an interview when you're so deep in the conversation that we can go through an hour without even knowing it. Right. It, it felt like two minutes. What are you talking about? You can do it when, when you're kissing someone. You can do it when you're fighting someone. Oh my God, there's some crazy matrix moves that happen all the time in <laughs> MMA and in Kung Fu and in Capoeira and all of it. Right. And those dudes are just chilling, doing what they do. It looks to us like freaking magic. But it's not, it's not, it's just what they, it's their imagination is really creating something mm-hmm. that we haven't practiced enough to create the same exactly. thing. We could do it. We could do whatever we want. To me, whenever I talk about other people or myself, it, it's all of me that it's all of us. I, I see it that way. You are a reflection of a part of me. That's why I see you. I see you or whatever that's, they may not be things I'm in tune with, therefore I don't see them or I don't participate with with them or I'm not um, in constant flow with them. So therefore I might fight with part of myself or I'm not receiving a part of myself or I don't really appreciate another part of myself because I haven't become conscious of that part of myself. I'm here with you because we are in the same frequency Um, and we, we are different you're a different part of me, but I'm seeing you and we are in flow. And that's why this is happening. And so when you talk about losing time, we're not in time anymore. And when we talk about not doing things or being able to do things that seem impossible, it's because you're not thinking about trying to do them. You become those things. You are those things. And that's when we call it magic. And you feel that. You feel that. And so I don't, when I, when I 
say it's too hard, those are parts of myself I'm talking to. I'm not meaning to, mm. you know, tell other people that's, yeah, well, if they're matching that frequency, then good, but I'm not gonna down that part of myself. Part of myself sometimes has thought, oh, it's just too hard. But I choose to bring that into integrity and go, no, it's not, we can do anything, and it's all right, let's come and sit, come and sit. Mm. Come and sit beside this knowing, and let's realize that all is possible. All things can be. And that's what I call, or what I'm sensing, is consciousness, an aspect of consciousness. Um, and you know what you just did um, allowed me to become more conscious, more aware of something. That's why I said feeling that then I was not aware of before. You 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 shared with you know with me with us a different frequency that I don't. I've never sat through before. I've never sat with you and heard this frequency and allowed and all those stories that you were in. You brought those to me. Now I'm a part of those stories. Now I'm sharing information with you from a song because you, that frequency. And so that's what connects us. That's why art to me is so beautiful. When I say art, creativity, imagination. Mm -hmm. Imagination um, is key to creating anything, you know, so. Absolutely, even a podcast. Even a, po even a podcast. <laughs> Thank you for coming today. Let's go have some fun. Let's go to Duck Fur and uh, have Coolios. a little mic cap. Sounds great, man. Okay, all right. Yeah, goodbye to everyone. Nice to hear, see, feel you guys again. <laughs> You've been listening to the Open Door podcast series. The Open Door is part of the Cocoon, the creative action centers of online open source networks. Tune in weekly, where we share ideas on consciousness, health, and creativity. Together, we are taking action where the 99% transform into 100%.